What's up everybody, it's Weston back with another Charlotte Craft Sportscast. Today, I'll be talking about all the sports that Charlotte has to offer, coincidentally enough. It's the end of football season, the beginning of soccer season, and the middle of basketball season. But first, let me talk about all of our favorite things, beer. And today, I will be talking about Blue Blaze, one of my favorites. I think that it's a really cool spot. They've got like an outdoor area that's really cool. They've got rocking chairs. There's usually a food truck there, um, and if you've ever been to Appalachian State, which is where I went to school, this brewery feels like going into the student union at App State. It's got pictures of different mountains. It's very outdoorsy. It's next to the Greenway. I don't know if it was there first or if the Greenway was there first, but it's very fitting for this brewery because it's very outdoorsy. It really feels like you're stepping into like an outdoorsman's backyard or something like that. And they also have a great space for dogs. So they have an outdoor space for dogs. And um, I will say it's not <laughs> split. So if you have a small dog or you have a dog that doesn't play well with others, or if you're like me and you don't trust other dog owners, then you should definitely not go inside of that little area. Um, and then the inside space, it's, it's really nice. It's got like a garage door opening type thing. And it's just a really good space. We went there during COVID. So we weren't like inside that much. We were sitting outside, but I really enjoyed it. And it's really nice. You can even, I guess, grab a beer and then go out and take a walk on the greenway. Obviously not with the beer, but I think that that's definitely something that people do. And I'm sure they have other like outdoorsy things. I wouldn't be surprised if they had like some other crunchy stuff like yoga or like those types of events. Um, but the beer that I had there was actually the Carolina Thread Trail Pale Ale. It's a mouthful, but it was very good. It's a very light beer. It's obviously a pale ale. Um, it's got 4.5% alcohol content, so it's not too heavy, not too crazy. You can really just sit there and drink it for hours on end, and which is my favorite kind of beer. Uh, like I'm not a huge dark person. I don't really love like the really dark ones, <clears throat> as I've said before on this podcast. Uh, but I really enjoy the pale ales, the lagers, the lighter beers. Um, so this is a perfect place for that. It does have some darker beers, but it's mostly, I think, lighter beers, unless they've changed it since I've been there. It has been a bit since I've been there, because I live a little bit far away from it now, so I don't just go down there casually. But I really enjoyed my time here at Blue Blaze. Um, so if you get a chance, definitely check it out. They also have like limited parking. Um, it's just like a small gravel lot, and it's in kind of a, like a little bit of a sketch area. I mean, when we went there, it was, it wasn't like unsafe or anything. It's just kind of in the, in like, like there's like old rundown buildings and stuff. And then you like, you're like, am I in the right place? And then suddenly blue blaze popped up and there's not like a whole lot of signage either. So you're not totally sure that you're actually at the brewery until you go inside of it. And you're like, oh yeah, there's definitely a brewery here. Okay, cool. Once you're there, very cool. Um, definitely punch it into the GPS. I mean, everyone does that now anyway, but um, yeah, very cool. Very up and coming area, I think. Um, but also just be careful out there and enjoy the beer. They also have a lot of other um, good beers. They have a Kolsch that's really good. There was a pink one. I don't remember the name of it. It's like the pink tuxedo or something like that. But it was very good, and I really enjoyed that one as well. I think my, at the time, girlfriend, but now wife, uh, got that one, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but 
yeah, that's enough about beer. Let's move on to soccer. So uh, this past today, actually, the Charlotte FC, or just Charlotte FC, actually, um, drafted for the first time. So this is the first player we've ever drafted. And if you don't know, since we are an expansion team and there were no other expansion teams, we actually got to pick first. If Originally, we were supposed to pick last year. And so it would have been us, Nashville, and maybe Austin, I think. Um, we would have all had to do basically like a coin flip to see who got to go first. Um, so us being by ourselves, guaranteed that we got to pick first. And we chose Ben Bender. I don't know a whole lot about soccer, I will admit. But it is something that I'm trying to learn more about every day. And I looked up Ben Bender, and it seems like a lot of people were kind of conflicted about it. But, you know, this is a thing about bringing a new sport into a city like Charlotte. While Charlotte is a very big place for soccer, and I think the Charlotte Eagles are here. I'm not sure what league they are. Um, but, and there's a lot of youth that play soccer. Travel soccer is huge. There's a lot of rec soccer fields. I just don't think that the casual fan like myself is quite there yet. So you're going to see a lot of takes on social media that are like, oh, this is a terrible pick, or oh, I hate this, or oh, why are they doing this? When really, they don't really know what they're talking about. I mean, by now, the Panthers or the Hornets have been around long enough, and those sports have been staples of the American life long enough where everyone kind of gets the idea. They, I mean, they don't know all the intricacies, but they know what's going on, and they kind of get the idea. They don't necessarily know like all the game plan or like certain strategies, but they understand what a first and 10 is or what a first down is or what a fumble or interception, like just little things like that to where it's just going to take some time for the casual fan, casual soccer fan to really learn what that's all about with soccer. I mean, obviously, we know if the ball goes in the goal, then it is the goal. And if you kick the ball before the defender is beyond the last offender, then it's offsides and like things like that. But as far as like what the heck's going on between the goals, I think it's going to take a lot of time for people to understand and myself included. Admittedly, I've seen a few soccer games in my life, but I've only watched a couple like all the way through. I would love to do a survey of everyone in Charlotte just to see how many people have actually seen an entire soccer game all the way through. And I think that you'll find that it's probably less than 20% of Americans. And I'd probably say in, in Charlotte specifically, it's probably less than 20%. In surveys, Charlotte tends to be representative of the population as a whole. But, you know, who knows? But I don't think that the casual fans are going to be that into it at first. I think it's just going to take some time for it to become a normal thing. Because you got to think, both of the like high-level, like top-of-the-level professional sports teams that we have, the Hornets and the Panthers, have been around for 20-plus years at this point. I mean, the Hornets took a pause for a couple years, but for the most part, it's been like 20, 25 straight years. I think the Panthers came in like 92 or 93. And then the Hornets are, were here before that, I think, in like 88. I'm not totally sure, but... It's been over 20 years at least, um, if not 30. So we've had time to grow accustomed to these teams and learn about them and those sports too, a whole lot more popular. So I think it's just going to take some patience. Um, but they drafted 
Ben Bender. So even if he's not a great player, already won the name game. I'm a huge fan of the name Ben Bender. Like, I love that his parents were like, oh, his last name's Bender? How about Benjamin? Like, I'd love to know if he's a junior. Like, if that's something that his dad's name is. Or, like, if the men in his family are all cursed with being named Ben Bender. That is just horrible and amazing at the same time. But apparently he is a very good soccer player. He played 18 games last season, started 16. I don't know what happened to those other two. Uh, he scored seven goals, notched five assists, and he was the Big Ten midfielder of the year. I guess they have different awards for different positions. Like, could you imagine if the NBA did, like, the point guard of the year and the shooting guard of the year? Like, I bet that they do, but they're not nearly as recognized. It's kind of like the award, um, like the Heisman is compared to, like, the Benedict, or the Benedict, or however you pronounce his name. Like, those awards exist, but I don't think people really care that much about them, unless it's, like, someone on their team. But I don't know if there was a MVP for the league, and he didn't win it. But he got midfielder of the year, and then he was first team All-Big Ten. And then he's been two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Whatever. Don't really care about that. Uh, but I saw that some people were saying that he seemed more like a playmaker and didn't, like, score a whole lot of goals. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. It goes back to people not really being that educated about soccer, myself included, of, like, the only thing that we know how to measure are goals. And the only thing that we can kind of tell if someone's successful is if they score a goal or not. Um, or if they even assist. Like, I guess that's unmeasurable. <clears throat> but we have a hard time measuring a player's impact if it's not in the stat sheet. Like in basketball or football, if you have a shutdown corner or if you have a guy who's really good on defense or you just have a good rotational guy, like um, like someone like Cody Martin, you know, he may not fill up the stat sheet, but we all know that he's had a good year and that he's been a good player for the Hornets. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to measure that for Charlotte FC just because we don't have that same knowledge of the sport. So it's going to take some time, and I don't really think it's a fair assessment to say someone like Ben Bender is just like a like playmaker for other people like I don't really think that's a fair assessment like what what why is that a problem I don't understand because that's the same thing that LaMelo Ball does he's a playmaker for other people a lot for like just last night he scored like 15 or 18 points in the third quarter and then he I think scored two the whole fourth but they weren't important too we'll get to that but I'm just saying being a playmaker is not a bad thing even if it's for other people and given that we are a an expansion team, I would imagine that people would want someone who can benefit everyone around them. Because if we have a selfish player or somebody who just puts up a lot of goals, I can definitely see that playing into like in basketball whenever you, whenever you have like a Bradley Beal type of guy who scores twenty five points, but we still lose by thirty. Like I I just want someone who's well rounded and who can really start off our franchise right and. If, from what I've seen about Ben Bender, it's legit. I mean, the guys who are running that team definitely know more than I do about soccer. And it's also going to be a benefit that they have is that, like, with the Panthers, with everyone calling for Matt Rule's head, I think that with soccer, it's not going to be the same because people won't really know, like, we see our record, but is, are we a good team? Like, how long do these things usually take? I know that Atlanta either got to the finals or won the finals. I think they won the finals in their first year 
and as an expansion team. So the league is not that respected yet, but I think that Charlotte can definitely make some noise. I wonder how those other teams feel like if they're playing an expansion team, a team who's never played before and they lose, like that team is already better than you and they just started and they had access to all the same players that you had except for like one and you still couldn't beat them. I don't know if that bothers people at all, but also every player that's in the MLS isn't that good. I mean, they're obviously they're good for the United States, but the leagues overseas, like if they could, they would go play in those, which is a weird thing to think about. Like usually with America, we're used to having like the top level talent, the top level leagues, like everything being best in the world, like the NBA. But now, or like the MLB or NFL, but now we are the secondary league. It's like whenever NBA players go play overseas or football players go play in Canada, like we are Canada or overseas in this equation. We are the the lesser team, like someone like Ibrahimovic, I think it was, who played for the MLS like after he retired from overseas. Like That's just kind of a testament to where the league is at right now. Like, a retired guy from overseas is still good enough to play here. Just, like, whenever guys retire and go play in China or something, so. And it has the same effect, too. <coughs> Excuse me. It has the same effect, too, where he causes a big stir, and people really enjoy having him, and I think it's really cool, even though he's, like, washed. But compared to the other guys in the MLS, he's not. So, I mean, it's we are the overseas league now, so. It's very interesting to me, but I'm interested, also excited to see what Charlotte FC does. Their season starts at the end of February. I don't really know if we get to draft more players. I'm still figuring this out. We'll all learn this together, but I think that we're off to a great start from what I can tell. I mean, it seems like everyone who knows what they're talking about is pretty happy with everything. Our our coach seems to have a lot of good experience, and our owner is crazy, uh, so that's a great start. Um, but I think that it's going to be a great time and I hope that I'm able to get out to a game, but I'm going to have to do like a MLS 101 type of video where I watch and see everything that I need to know. And also like, what kind of chance are we going to do at the stadium? Like keep pounding kind of happened organically. Is there going to be something that we're going to try out and it's not going to work or people are just going to start saying like minted or something? I don't know. And also. What I don't get is why the advertisements on the jerseys are so dang big. I get it. There's not as many commercials. There's really only halftime, which is going to be great. But I just, I have a hard time buying a jersey when it has Ally written on the front. Or like, the I think it's a bank. It's like, I feel like I'm wearing a bank jersey. I don't know. I guess that's something that I'm just going to have to get over if I ever want to buy a jersey. But it took me... 27 years to buy an NBA jersey, and I still haven't bought an NFL jersey. So I think it'll be a long time before I buy an MLS jersey. And just for those of you who are wondering, the jersey that I did buy was LaMelo Ball, of course. So, and even that one, I bought the cheaper version of it. I think it was like 70 bucks, 60 bucks, 70 bucks. It was the city edition. So very clean, very good looking jersey. But now let's move on to the Panthers versus the Bucks. What a fitting way to end the season. I mean, you have 
the Carolina Panthers, who are now five and twelve, and then you have the Bucks, who are I think thirteen and four. And the first quarter was going great. Second quarter was going awesome to like the last five minutes. It really felt like the Panthers should have been blowing out the Bucks the entire time that we were playing the game in the first half. Like we were up, I think either 10-0 or 10-3, and it really felt like we should have been up like 17. We had ample opportunities to take it to the next score, make it a two-score game, and we did not, and that was very frustrating. But I was glad to see that we were going for it. I mean, you see these teams at the end of the seasons who are like, eh, F it, it's the last game of the season, we have nothing else to lose anyway. I'm like, why don't you just play like that the whole season? How hard is that? Like, just find a happy medium. Like, I think the Panthers went for it actually too much during that game. Like, there was a few times where I was like, this is not the smart decision. We should take the field goal. It was like fourth and six on our 30 or something, or their 30. And I was like, just take the points. And we didn't get it. And I was like, okay, great. And then I think it was in the goal line and or near the goal line. And we went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Like, we left 10 points up on the board just like that. And then. Tampa Bay, when they got the ball back on their two, drive down, score a touchdown. Like, first play, busted coverage. Second play, another busted coverage. It's very frustrating as a fan to watch your team who you're like, it feels like we should be up by 30, and we are currently losing by four. We went into the half losing. I think it was 10-7. to seven, And I was like, it feels like we should be up right now. It's just so frustrating to watch the team succeed. And even when they succeed, they fail. The offensive line was porous, absolutely porous. The offensive line certainly is offensive, as I said in my article on my website. But I just, I don't really know what we're going to do because we have a lot of holes to fill. I mean, and we don't have a lot of draft capital. We have a first-round pick. We do not have a second-round pick. Traded it for Sam Darnold to the Jets. We do not have a third-round pick. We traded it to the Jags for C.J. Henderson, uh, who at times has looked like, hey, I know why you're a first-rounder, and at other times it's looked like, oh, so this is why the Jags were okay with letting you go. And then we do not have, well, we traded our fourth-round pick, but we got that back from the Texans. So in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, one of the sixth rounds we traded to the Raiders um, in exchange for them taking a Pro Bowl linebacker. So that's a lot of fun. And that's really all we have. So basically in the first 100 and so picks, like 105, 104, we have one draft pick. And we have a lot more holes than one, one, one top 100 player. I mean, we have... Basically, three, maybe four offensive line positions. We need two guards and a center, and we might need a left tackle. I mean, we didn't really get a good look at Brady Christensen. At times, he looked good and solid, and other times, he looked like he just got straight up beat. But, you know, it's hard to tell, and that's a mistake that one of the mistakes that Matt Rule made was not playing the younger guys sooner so we could evaluate them. When your season is at like, Five and nine at that point, you gotta say, okay, it looks like this season is over. The best we can finish is eight and nine, which was not going to be enough. Everyone knew it. Uh, maybe five and ten, if you want to make that argument. 
but Brady Christensen should have been playing for the last two or three games at least, not just the last one. And he probably should have been playing before that because it was clear that our offensive line was not doing anything that was, like, good. I mean, there was the the lack of blocking, for one. I mean, they're, they're in the lowest top bottom five of win rate. They're in the bottom five of sacks, bottom five of sack percentage. I mean, the list goes on and on. The only thing that we are not, like, bottom five in is, like, I can't remember the stat exactly what it's called, but it's basically, like, power run win rate, basically, where you, if you run and it's less than two, like, third and two or fourth and two or less, you win that. Um, And I think that that is pretty much the only thing, coincidentally enough, that the Panthers were, like, tops in. I think they were in the top five. And that in like successful power run plays. So that's just a very weird stat that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But they were one of the tops in it. But another thing that they have holes on, quarterback position. Sam Darnold did not look terrible. And I know that everyone wants to get rid of Sam Darnold. But we do not have enough draft capital to get rid of Sam Darnold right now. We owe him $18 million next year regardless. What do you want to do with that $18 million, huh? You just want to cut him and pay it anyway? Why not keep him on the team at that point? What are you going to do? And we just signed PJ Walker, so the backup is in. They might still, like, draft a rookie quarterback. I wouldn't put it past them, but I'm just saying that you might as well keep him on the team, because you're not as a backup, he's fine. Like, you're going to be paying him anyway. Why not keep him on the team as a backup unless you, like, truly, truly, truly find a better option? Maybe sign a Gardner Minshew? I don't know. Maybe to a one-year deal? Nothing too crazy? I mean, he showed that he is he is serviceable. And he's at times, most of the time, looked better than Sam Darnold. But I will say it's very difficult to evaluate a quarterback whenever you have a revolving door at your offensive line. And most of the time, people use revolving door as in, like, the offensive linemen have changed, or they've been hurt, or it's been a different one each time. I mean it in terms of a revolving door never stops letting people in the way that our offensive line never stopped letting people in to the pocket, into our quarterback. There is a ton of interior pressure. I mean, it's it's all over, but the interior pressure, there's literally no pocket for anyone to throw. It doesn't matter if it's Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, or Johnny Unitas himself. I mean, if Tom Brady had this line, I don't think he would surpass 3,000 yards this year. It's just nuts. And I don't think that it's going to matter who we draft. It, I just don't. And, I mean, I, I guess you can look at the Bengals and say that they drafted um, Joe Burrow when they didn't have an offensive line. He ended up tearing his ACL. And um, that that ended up working out okay for them this year. I mean, yet to be determined for the rest of his career. Hopefully he plays well. I'm rooting for him. I never root against anyone. But I don't think that there is a quarterback as good as Joe Burrow in the draft right now. Or, like, if you want to use that example for any of the quarterbacks, um, Andrew Luck or um, Cam Newton even, when he was first drafted by the Panthers. Like, 
I don't think any quarterback right now is worth drafting if you don't have an offensive line because I don't think that there's any quarterback good enough in this current draft to mask the problems that we've had on our offensive line because all the quarterbacks that are there I think are going to need time to throw. I mean, you got the Kenny Pickett, the guy from Pitt, and you got the guy from Liberty, can't remember his name. Um, you got... I'm blanking on all these quarterback prospects because none of them, I don't even know if any of them will go in the first 10 picks. Um, and then you've got the next year's draft, which is stacked with people like Bryce Young. And um, I mean, you have to be determined how he turns out as a pro, but I'm just saying this next, the draft after this is going to be the one that has a good quarterback depth. Um, and also, if we're drafting high enough to need a quarterback again, that probably means that Matt Rule has been fired. So why wouldn't you want to be able to draft a new quarterback with a new coach instead of drafting a new quarterback this year and then getting a new coach next year? I don't know. I mean, I guess you can make the argument for that. It just, I just don't think that drafting a quarterback is going to do us any good right now. I think that we have way more needs elsewhere. Um, and then I think that we need a safety. Justin Burris is not the answer right now. I mean, he stays hurt. He can't cover. It's just been very difficult for him to stay on the field. Um, and C.J. Henderson has been, as I said, up and down at times. He's been the first-round pick, and at other times he's been the guy who got released from the Jags, or traded. And then you've got Stephon Gilmore and Dante Jackson, who are kind of like one can stay, the other can't, um, or vice versa. They seem to think that they could both stay. I don't see a way that it happens. We'll see. But I have my doubts. I think that one of them is going to have to be gone. And I think that Stephon Gilmore is going to want a lot of money for what he has accomplished, even though he got traded for a six-round pick. Um, and I think that Dante Jackson is also going to want to get paid. But Dante got hurt at the end of the season. He struggled at the end of the season. He was getting beat a lot. He was getting burned a lot. He allowed a few touchdowns near the end of the season. I don't know if he was playing with an injury or if he got injured independent of getting burnt a whole lot, but I don't know if he's the answer either. He's pretty small as a cornerback. I don't know how much that matters, though, in this league. I mean, it used to be you'd want a big old cornerbacks, but now you need little speedy guys to keep up with all these dang receivers. So, it could go either way, really. And Dante Jackson, I think, has been with the Panthers his whole career, um, if not close to it. So I would be very interested to see what they're going to do with that little conundrum. And then um, we've got um, Jeremy Chin, who is at safety, but I think they're going to move him back to linebacker. I mean, that kind of is a testament to our dummy coaching staff, where they're like, oh, Jeremy Chin was the rookie of the year at linebacker. Let's move him to safety. Like, why does that make sense? He was, he's a perfect modern linebacker. He is, he could be just as good as Darius Leonard. He might be as good as Darius Leonard, but he will never get that chance if you make him play safety. As a safety, he is still a very talented player, but, and don't get me wrong, I think that he's a very good safety, but he's a great linebacker. A great linebacker. He is elite. I think that he has the tools to be able to be elite. So 
if you're counting at home, that is a question mark on every single um, secondary position between both the safeties, the cornerbacks. All the cornerbacks really are a question mark at this point, other than what I assume to be C.J. Henderson. I mean, his performance has been a question mark, but I assume that they're going to keep him. But you never know with Fitterer. Mr. In on every deal has kind of screwed us. But I guess one positive from everything that's been said is that the defense doesn't need a whole lot of help. They are very close to being an elite defense. If the offense can get it together and can hold the ball a little bit longer and give them better field possession position whenever they are back on defense instead of turning the ball over at our own 30 and giving the defense a short field to work with every single time. But I think that if they can get it together and they can, the offense can get it together and keep the defense off the field, give them some rest. I think this defense is only a couple pieces from being elite. Now, I don't know if they're going to re-sign Hassan Reddick. That is yet to be determined as well. Brian Burns is up for a new contract, I think, pretty soon. Not this year, but soon. But there's a whole lot of guys who are going to need some money. We got some cap space. This year we have um, a lot. I can't remember the exact number, but um, it's a good bit. And then the next year we have even more right now, but we have to re-sign people like DJ Moore. Wonder what we'll do with him. Maybe just trade him. I don't know. I don't want to, but we need some way to recover from our losses. And he's the only good player on the team that people would want. Since he's the only great player that we have that can stay healthy. Nobody wants McCaffrey's fat contract with how much he's getting paid and how he's missed 23 of the last 30 for games. And then... Taylor Moten, we just re-signed for four more years. And so if we're talking trade bait, like maybe Brian Burns, but I don't see that happening. Jeremy Chan is not happening. Both of those guys are cornerstone guys. Uh, maybe Derek Brown, maybe. Um, if we're talking just trade bait, just out of my butt, possibly trade bait. I mean, I don't have any sources, obviously, because I'm just some dude in his office making a podcast, but I could see them trading one of those guys to get some capital back. They have a favorable contract, favorable future. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm just saying if they wanted to, those would be the guys to look at. It's probably Derek Brown, um, maybe even Dante. I, I don't know about the rest, man. I don't know. I don't know, but the Panthers are also on the only... One of the few bright spots, not the only, but one of the few bright spots is that they are getting rid of a lot of dead cap. They are getting Teddy's contract off the books. That's like 17 mil. They are getting Luke Keekley off the books. That's like 7 mil. We're paying Luke Keekley right now $7 million to fish. God, I wish I was a professional athlete. Jesus, these guys get paid so much. Um, 11 million to... Sh- not Shaq Thompson, uh... Kawan Short, KK Short, getting paid like $11 million to not play for us. So if you're counting, that is about $30 million, $35 million in dead cap that we're going to be getting back. Overall, we're getting about $40 mil back. I think we're still paying Trey Boston, for example. Like We are paying a lot of guys to not play for us right now. So hopefully we will be able to clear those books and not make any more bad deals. I mean, I guess I could see us, like, Sam Darnold's basically the exact same as Teddy Bridgewater was last year, where we traded his contract 
for a sixth round pick essentially, but we still pay most of it. So I don't know what we're going to do. We're screwed right now. It's going to take a couple years. And that's why I don't think we should draft a quarterback because no matter what we do, the progress will not be fast forwarded. There's nothing really to fast forward about this team right now. There's just too many holes to fix. I think that we can compete not next year, but the year after. By compete, I mean like be a real contender in the playoffs. Next year, we are not going to be a contender in the playoffs. We are not going to be good. Um, I think that we'll be very young still, very raw. And if we can stay healthy, you know, we might have a chance of seven wins. I need to go back and look at my predictions. I totally forgot about that. But I think I had us a 7-10, and 10, maybe 8-9. That was a couple off. I think that some people were very positive and others were very negative. So I was somewhere in the middle, and the Panthers could have been somewhere in the middle. So, But they were the Panthers, so they went 5-12. and 12. But I digress. Anyway, I really thought we were going to be the Giants. I don't know. Gosh. Um, but also, one fun thing to note, out of all the teams since the the playoffs have expanded, out of all the teams, who have not made it since it has expanded, the Panthers are the only team that has still kept their head coach. Now, I don't know if that's the right move. Maybe Rule needs a third year, maybe not. It's trending pretty poorly right now, but I'm just saying be patient. It's not going to happen this year, so please stop complaining on Twitter about wanting to fire Matt Rule. You don't need to post every single time that the Panthers post something on their social media to fire Matt Rule, because I can tell you right now, David Tepper does not look at Twitter. You need to get off of there and stop tweeting at that poor social media staff and get over yourself and enjoy something else and stop saying fire Matt Rule. This fan base has gotten so toxic, and I'm sorry that the Panthers have not been good. It's not the first time, but it's like every freaking thing I see on there is complaining about Matt Rule. Like, find something else to say. Or do. Like, it doesn't all have to be complaining all the time about Matt Rule. Yes, he did a bad job. Yes, the Panthers suck this year. But saying fire Matt Rule on Twitter is not the answer, okay? It's just not. So, anyway, a little positive there at the end. We lose a lot of our dead cap. So we're not paying players to not play for us. And then lastly, the Hornets have been looking mighty solid right now. They are 22-19, and 19, sitting directly at 8. In the Eastern Conference standings, about um, six games back from the number one spot, and about a game and a half up on the Wizards for the eighth spot. So right now, if you look at the standings, there's basically like seven teams that could go into four spots now that they have the play-in tournament. So you've got the likes of the Raptors, the Knicks. Um, the Hawks are pretty far down there. They're slumping right now, but I still think that they can make a run. Um, if they get all their guys involved, guys who just got super max extensions asking for trades because they're not happy with how much they're being used. I don't know why the Hawks would pay someone that much. Um, I think it's John Collins. Pay him as much as they have and then not use him. I'd be upset if I was him too. And then you've got, um, you've got the Knicks already said them, the Wizards. Um, you've got the Celtics who were in the mix there. So you've got about seven teams in there for four spots that are in there. And um, I just, it really could go any way. I would love to think that the Hornets have improved since last year. I think that they have. And then they've been a little bit healthier, knock on wood. But 
I think that compared to last year, I looked back halfway through the 70 game season last year, they were about 500. And then um, 42 games through, they were just a little bit below 500. So right after that is when they really started to drop off. And that's why they only ended up with like 31 wins for the whole season. So I think that if they can keep this pace up, they'll be in the play-in tournament. But I would really love for them to just make the dang playoff, go in as a sixth seed and call it a day. They can get the sixth seed. I don't think that they can get any higher than that with the way teams are playing. I mean, they're not going to get ahead of the Sixers. They're not going to get ahead of the Bucks or the Nets or the Bulls. Um, and then there's one other team that is escaping me right now, but there's basically five teams that are clumped at the top that are just better than the Hornets right now. I mean, maybe the Hornets can make a run. Maybe they can improve on defense. They've been playing great defense these last few games, which is kind of why they've won three of their last four and six of their last ten. And they've been playing great defense. Their defensive rating is one of the best in the NBA the last few games. Uh, but they've also lost their way on offense a little bit. I mean, you watched the last game against the Bucks. The Bucks' defense was basically a matchup zone in which they weren't matching up, and they were just leaving the Hornets open to make threes, and the Hornets were missing a lot of threes. I mean, there was a point at which I think the Hornets missed like 10 out of 11 threes or something ridiculous like that, and they just kept shooting them. And I understand analytics and blah, 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 and shoot more threes and whatever, but it was rough because they could have run away with it last night. They won by four, but they really could have just honestly destroyed the Bucks. They were up by, it was like 15 or 16 in the third quarter, like mid-third quarter, and by the end of the third quarter, they were only up by six until a buzzer-beating three by Jalen McDaniels. Put them up by nine going into the fourth, and then the Bucks brought it back. Um, they were up at one point during the fourth quarter, but then the Hornets ended up winning. So that was exciting. But I'm glad they won. But they really could have won by a lot more. Andrew Holiday wasn't playing. And I don't think that Brooke Lopez was either. So it's not a real measuring stick. I mean, you got to play with who you got. We know that better than anyone. Seeing how the Hornets had to play like five games with only eight players. And like seven of which were from the Swarm. So I think with Kelly Oubre out too, that took a lot of scoring away. But I think at this point, everyone on the Hornets has gotten COVID. So hopefully it has run its course on our team and it will not impact us any longer. I'm really looking forward to that moment when we all have, like, immunity from it. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, who knows what other strains or stuff. I'm not going to get into all that, but let's just hope that it's run its course through our team. And I really hope that it doesn't show up again this year. And I hope that Gordon can stay healthy, too. He got busted in the face last night. It looked like he was getting a black eye. So I felt bad for him, but luckily it was just like a seemed like a cosmetic in injury. It didn't seem like it was going to actually impact his play. I don't know if we see him come out in a face mask next game. I don't know. Seems like it would fit him very well. Uh, but I think that as long as they can stay healthy, the Hornets should be able to make the play in tournament. Exceeding expectations would be making the playoffs as a six seed. So six seed is exceeding expectations. Seven through ten would be meeting expectations, and then not making the play-in tournament at all would be, I think, a failure for the season. So let's see how it all shakes out. Um, I'm really hoping, hoping that they they really are able to take it to the next level and just make the playoffs. That would be so great. 
But yeah, well, that's all that I have for you today, folks. And um, I will see you again next time. Bye.